This is episode 83 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined today by Melinda Kearney. Oh, Melinda, wow. I thought like my mother. You know, try and be more formal today or something. <laughs> oh, I'm wrapped up in my Sherpa today. Um, I didn't show you. Look at my, do you see my Sherpa pants I have on? Can you see them? Oh, I had not seen those, no. So um, yesterday, yeah, my son says to me, Mom, you're starting to look like a llama. <laughs> like i don't know when you work from home it's like you just try and find the comfiest clothes to sit at your desk in so yeah we've had like three or four days of like high 60s 70s it's been nice weather for Mm -hmm. november and then today it's just cold and miserable and it's raining and it's been raining ever since i woke up yep so i put my llama clothes on today because i'm kind of just mourning the loss of our seven days of 70 degree weather in november set a record did you see that yes yeah gosh seven days of 70 degree plus yeah yep so i was in my element yeah i really enjoyed it a lot but um i'm gonna start decorating for christmas now i've been waiting um normally i don't decorate for christmas until after thanksgiving but i feel like we need a little bit of joy so Mm -hmm. christmas decorations bring me joy do you put Christmas tree lights out, outside your house? Are you one of those people? Oh, my Christmas tree, my lights are already up outside. We use the nice weekend to put all the lights up. So my front stoop oh. is all decorated, but we don't turn them on until after Thanksgiving. I thought you were going to say you just left them for, out from last year. No, <laughs> no. We always take them down, but yeah. we always um, wait to turn them on the night of Thanksgiving. But we do always, there is always a nice weekend in November. And yeah. we always put lights up then and oh, are thankful that we have them done. <laughs> I think we all need a little bit of uh, cheering up a little bit. So. Yeah, we might not yeah. take them down though, because who knows, we'll be stuck in our houses again for another seven months. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I'll just keep my Christmas lights on and my tree up, probably. <laughs> Christmas all year round, right? Uh, yes, yes. All right. Well, should we do this thing? We should probably okay. do what we're here to do, yeah. <laughs> Start with some news and follow-up. All right, let's do it. So first thing I got in here is something we had talked about before, but I... I'm not a huge user of Google Meet, and I don't think right. you are either, but no. it caught me by surprise. Last time I went into Google Meet, uh, I had the option to choose uh, a background. Oh. And um, Google Meet has all these uh, built-in backgrounds that you can choose from. They've got quite a few that you can look at and see on there. Uh, some people can upload their own backgrounds, but if you have an education account, you cannot upload your own image, which I think is Maybe for the best, because I could see some students taking advantage of (laughs) that in the wrong way. But everybody else can uh, choose from a variety of background images, as well as blurring your background now inside of Google Meet. So can everybody blur background, or is that still not a Chromebook thing? Have you heard anything about that recently? I looked that up recently, and there yeah. was Chromebooks mentioned on the support page, but mm. you had to have like a minimum um, spec or oh, version of Chrome OS. Yeah. So it's coming slowly. Sure. I think we were told. I think Stacy asked someone at Google, and she said it's coming, but yeah. it's just not here yet. So there hustle you go. up, Google. Jeez. I know. Hustle I, it. Hustle. 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 Um. Uh. Yeah. Next thing on the list is kind of an interesting <laughs> one because uh, 
you will remember because I blasted. Mindy, yeah, because I blasted that it. On the last episode, <laughs> we had a kind of confusing conversation about uh, citations mm-hmm. in Google Docs being new. Right. However, our listeners will not recall that conversation because I ended up cutting it from the podcast. You did? I didn't know I did. that. Oh. I know. Because I was like, there's this new citations feature. And you're like, really? I've been doing citations for a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, no, well, isn't you? And it kind of is new. So I thought we'd just clarify the conversation that you and I had last week. Uh, okay. So it's follow up just for you and me. This <laughs> okay. one. All right. So what's new with citations that's different than Explore? So when we were talking about it last week, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing. You were talking about the Explorer, right. where you can bring an image in from the web or somewhere or some text, and you can cite where it came from, from the Explorer right. tool. Right. Uh, the new version of citations or the new, the new edition, I guess, for citation is under the tools menu. You go to okay. citations, and then you can add a source manually here. And you can choose a book, a book section, a website, a journal article, or a newspaper article. Okay. And uh, where you accessed it. And then you can just type it in manually, like the author, the first name, last name. So if you were, you know, I don't know, writing a paper and you have a textbook that you were quoting or you were reading another book that you were quoting that, you know, isn't something you researched or found online, then you can manually add these uh, citations yourself. Hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah, and I've used like add-ons and things like this and different websites for this, and I feel sure. like there's still some things to go a little bit further with this. Like for the I'm- book, I mean, Google must know all the books on the internet. Why can't you just start to type the name of the book and it would autofill the author and the title and the publisher and all that for you? <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say, and I'm like, oh, this is no. going to be really awesome, but you didn't say that. <laughs> no, not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so sure. Hopefully mm. they'll, they'll get there. Interesting. So okay. there you go. A little update on citations in Google Docs. All right. Well, and okay. It was Still kind not of great, but fine. Baseball. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's this? Adobe adds lessons to Flipgrid Discovery Library? Yeah. I happened to see a press release that came out from Adobe EDU. Okay. Uh, the Flipgrid... Uh, Discover Library is a place where, uh, I don't know, teachers and other people can share, uh, their, their lessons and you right. can go there and get ideas for right. different types of Flipgrid topics you can do. Well, there are a number of, um, educational partners that they have for this. And I didn't know about all these partners, I don't think, but there's a link oh. on the doc there if you want to see some, like really? Lego Education, Wonderopolis, what? uh, Code.org. Um, Rodal Children's Theatre Company. All these people are making. What? I had no idea topics. this existed. Okay. No, yeah. I didn't either. And okay. so these are partners for uh, Flipgrid, and Adobe has also now partnered with Flipgrid, and they do have a bunch of lessons based mm. on Adobe products over at the Adobe Education Exchange. Cool. Uh, but they are now putting some of those into the Flipgrid Discovery Library and trying to adapt some of those to meet the needs of uh, what that would look like inside of Flipgrid. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. If you're an Adobe user, you're using Spark and Voice and all those other things, then, yeah, you can uh, now think about different ways to incorporate that with Flipgrid, some app smashing, if you will. Hmm, nice. All right. Last but not least, Mindy has some breaking Wakelet news oh, for us. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I um, I don't know how breaking it is, but I was um, off air, was telling Jonathan that I saw um, 
that now you can receive notifications from Wakelet if you have a collaborative board, if someone has added something to it. You can get notifications. You can also, I think, get notifications if you have additional followers on Wakelet. So um, there's been a couple updates to Wakelet over probably the last three months or so, um, but I haven't looked into it too much. But we really love Wakelet. I just, I haven't, it's just not been one of the things that I've necessarily looked at much lately. So, but I'm going to share a Wakelet resource later. Ooh, that's a tease. Yeah. On the edge of the seat. <laughs> yeah, Wakelet's one of those ones we were um, using a lot for a while. It kind of yeah. fell off my radar a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's definitely still there for sure. Yeah, we definitely, for sure. yeah. So, next up, serve to you, piping hot, the main course, the Great Google Tips episode part two. Part two. I think we had such a raging success <laughs> last time. <laughs> Did we? People were clamoring for part two. They're like, oh. My inbox was just full of people, <laughs> tweets, and emails, and all kinds of stuff. So I bet. I bet. It was not because I couldn't think of anything else to do this week. It's not? No, of course oh, not. Oh, no. okay. All right. <laughs> all right. So we chose different apps, different Google apps this time to share tips and tricks. And these are, some of them are probably, most of them are review. I don't know that there's a ton of brand new stuff on here. Maybe a couple. There's a couple new things. There's some new things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it sometimes it's just a good reminder to share some of these things again, because either you've missed them the first time around, or sometimes you forget like, oh yeah, I forgot you could do that. Um, and so hopefully those will all come back to the surface for you today. So first app is docs. Round one, Google docs. How many are we doing here? We've got a list. Yeah, we can just do some just quick, short around. ones. Okay. Yeah, whatever you feel like you want to cover. Um, let's see. One. Oh, this one I think I've used only a couple times, but knowing that it exists is important because when you need it, you need it, and it is find and replace. Do you ever use find and replace? Yes, but I forget it's there because you have to do that extra little <laughs> toggle to bring down the replace part, don't yeah. you? Yes. I use find a lot, but yes. So um, the nice thing about find and replace is that uh, if you've like spelled someone's last name wrong. So the last time I used this, I remember it was uh, Wes Kishnick's last name (laughs) and his last name is super, it's just kind of tricky. Like there's an extra I or an E or something like that. And I had spelled it incorrectly. And so I went into find and replace. I put in how I had spelled it incorrectly put in replace with the correct spelling and it takes care of it for you through the whole document. Yeah, it's great if you consistently misspell a word. I think with Wes Kishnick's name, I think I would spell it six different ways, six different times. (laughs) That's probably true. That's probably true. But it is kind of a nice thing just to know, like if you've made a mistake somewhere that you can replace it with the correct without having to run through the whole thing. Like I said, not something that you're going to use all the time, but when you need it, it's nice to know it's there. So if you're on a Mac, it is Command F in a dock. If you are on a PC, See, it's Control F, and it just brings up the Find menu, but there's three little mm-hmm. dots mm-hmm. next to it that says More Options, and if you click that, it pops out into Find and Replace, mm-hmm. and there you go. There you have it. Mind. Yep. Okay. What do you got? I have one that I didn't know about that okay. I just came across recently, and I'm just going to throw it in there and see if you knew about it, that okay. you can now mention users in line in a dock. Can you see that where your name is on the dock? Yeah. 
And if you hover over your name, you see like your contact card,、mm-hmm. and I can now email you or schedule an event or send a message or start a video call, another video call. <laughs> so. Yeah, you normally could only do that inside of comments before, but if you just start typing at Mindy Kearney, it's going to start auto filling your name. So if you were, I don't know, having a meeting or something, and you want to write down the names of all the people that were at the meeting, you could just put at before their names,、uh-huh. and you could have all that. And for reference, you could quickly find who was there, send them an email, or see all that good stuff on there too. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. How long has that been around? Like, have we just missed it, or is it new? Do you know? So I'm looking at the release doc. It was October seventh,、yeah. 2020.、Oh. So well, it's well, not、new. that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's like hyperlinking your name to, well, all of your contact information. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so that's just a quick one. Yeah.、I、just thought I'd throw it in there and、uh, have it as a, a little bonus tip on there. Oh yeah. Okay.、Um, I feel like I've mentioned this one before, but it's also an interesting one that I don't know that you'd come across if you didn't know it was there, and that is the ability to、um, share a link to a bookmark within your doc. So、um, I use bookmarks actually quite a bit in docs to create like table contents, something like that. So if I have a bookmark、uh, inserted into my doc, it actually has its own little link. Um, so I can share that little link with someone else and take them directly to the spot I want them to、um, find in that doc. So imagine like a hundred page document. I have my little bookmarks in. I can send them exactly to that spot, which I think is really kind of an interesting thing and not something you'd know was there. I didn't know you could do that. I'm just going to say or. If I did know, I I, I forgot. I've never、before. done that before. I've shared this before. You have? Oh, yes. On the podcast? Yes. Yes.、Oh、my gosh. You're so annoying.、Ugh. I've never, I've never done this. Then let's just say that. Then <laughs> I'll well, take out the part where I, you know, <laughs> pretended I <laughs> knew something about this or didn't know something about this, but I've never done this. Yeah. I so, should do it. Yeah. So、um, that's kind of the same as like when you create that table of contents. It is just its own little link to the spot in the doc. So you would just you share that little link in the doc. It's yeah. It's easy peasy. I like it. Yeah, I will do one more. Okay, and that is the ability to translate a Google Doc or to write in a different language, which I think is kind of interesting. Okay. Um. So I'm thinking maybe for things like maybe ELL learners or、mm-hmm. anybody else that might be、uh, coming across、uh, a document that was in a different language to、mm-hmm. their own, or you copy and pasted something from the web and you want to translate it. Uh, you can go up to the tools menu and select translate document. Choose a language that you would like to、uh, translate the document into. So、mm-hmm. um, I'll maybe refrain from translating our show notes here,、oh, yeah. just so that we still have something to talk about for the rest of the podcast. But yeah, you can do that at, at automatically and get it translated for you. Or if you are maybe in a foreign language class and you want to write in a foreign language,、mm-hmm. you can come down to file. Language, and then choose the language that you would like to write in, and、mm-hmm. then you know things like the you know the autocomplete and the the spelling suggestions、mm-hmm. all come up in that language,、mm. which is kind of、nice. interesting too. Yeah, yeah.、Hmm. All right, so that was four, right? I think that, that was four. Okay, let's move on to round two. Google Sheets. Yeah. So look at you putting this on the dock of little. Tips and tricks for Google Sheets. 
Did you want to put it on the dock? But let's just say, you know, all of these tips are yours, basically. So (laughs) they're not all. You added a couple on there. Yeah. Yeah. You want to start with yours? Um, Yeah, sure. I'll start with the smart charts, Uh, something I showed someone uh, recently. They were Mm -hmm. looking at some data in a spreadsheet and they were like, okay, so I want to make some charts. I've never done that before. And I said, well, you know, I guess the easiest way is just to hit the explore button in the bottom right hand corner and Google will automatically generate some charts for what it thinks would be a good way to represent some of the data you have. Now, Sometimes these can be kind of random and you're yeah. like, no, that is absolutely not what I need. But sometimes, you know, you find a, a chart that you need and sometimes so it's just quicker than, you know, selecting your data and going and building a chart and customizing it and all the rest. They are right. already there. If you have a spreadsheet full of data and you hit the explore button, it will just generate some charts for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with two at the same time, which are conditional formatting and alternating colors. So conditional formatting allows you to set, um, kind of some requirements within your data to change the color to go with the data. So imagine someone has answered yes to a question. You can turn that green If someone else has answered no to a question, you can turn that red to help you kind of look at data very quickly. And I think if you're using um, Google Forms with students, like for social-emotional check-ins or um, kind of at the beginning of class for questions, things like that, you could set up conditional formatting so that it quickly gives you a visual experience of, okay, temperature gauge for classes, we're green, we're mostly green, we're good to go, instead of having to look through um, a bunch of responses. So I think that's nice. Yeah, and I think the other common one you see for this sometimes is like, I don't know, test scores. And you want to like Mm -hmm. see quickly, you know, which kids got over a certain percentage and which got under a certain percentage, and Mm -hmm. you can color code them for that too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I feel like kind of goes with us because it is colors is the ability to change alternating colors within the spreadsheet. So um, when I added this one on, I happened to see that research, I don't know what kind of research is done around this type of thing, but research shows that it's easier to read data if each row alternates in color. So this is a super easy thing to turn on, especially if you're looking at a bunch of data to kind of help your eye go along those rows. It's just under format and it comes right underneath um, conditional formatting and it's just alternating colors. And you can choose the color scheme that you'd like to use. I think the default is just gray, like dark gray and light gray or something like that. I don't know. Um for certain, but it does, it is kind of a nice way to help you look at the data without your eyes going all buggy. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that's like a really, it's like if you have a long spreadsheet, that's like one of the first things you should turn on probably. For because sure. It really helps. Yep. Um, okay, so my next uh, Google Sheets tip is me also stealing from the news and follow up like okay. I did with Google Docs yep. because yep. as of October 15th, 2020, uh, Google announced a smart fill to okay. help automate data entry in Google Sheets. Mm-hmm. And so this is a bit like, um, you know, in, in Gmail or Docs where it will start suggesting the rest of the sentence for you. Right. Uh, 
Google Sheets is going to start to start suggesting the rest of the data for you. Uh, so if you, um, for example, you know, you had all your attendees uh, at a meeting or something and you were starting to type out their email addresses, you can put the first one in. And if they all have the same like at GWAEA.org, oh. mm-hmm. it will automatically suggest, you know, first name at GWAEA.org or whatever it is down there, too. So huh. it's, a, it's a new thing that's just uh, rolling out. You may not quite see it yet, but it's mm-hmm. uh, scheduled release uh, is November 5th. So it should be with Out and about, everybody right? pretty yeah. soon. Okay. Um, hmm, which one for my list next? So I would say... Hmm, I'm going to go with the using dropdowns inside uh, Google Sheets. So if you are planning on sorting or filtering your data, dropdowns is really nice when you have um, multiple choices that could go into um, a column or a row. So the nice thing about that is it kind of keeps you from making mistakes in your data entry. So if you want to sort um, dogs and cats, let's say you misspelled dogs D-A-W-G instead of D-A-W-G, D-A-W-G, dog instead of D-O-G. Keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Anyway, um, so if you spelled it incorrectly... You, you just get that drop-down menu so that it's it's correct every time so you can choose it. It also makes it super fast to enter any data as opposed to hand-typing all of that in. With the smart fill, it probably would help. You make less mistakes, but that drop-down does um, help you kind of make sure that whatever is put in that column is correct and therefore is sorted and filtered correctly as well. So if you're like Randy Jackson or somebody, then and you're calling everybody dog all the dog. time, then yep. you know it's, it's going to help with that. Then. <laughs> it is. I think that'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break, man. Give me a break. I've been alone in this house for a long time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> uh, round three is Google Forms. All right. And Google Forms is one of those apps, I think, that sometimes I think, well, everybody knows everything about Forms because there's not a lot to know about Forms. But maybe some of these will just come into the category of, I completely forgot about these. So here's the first one that I completely forgot about, and that is templates. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I I knew they're there. And every time you go to forums.google.com, you see them and you just ignore them and you you go on to the next thing. But I, I looked at these this morning, actually, oh, yeah. and I thought, there's some here that I could definitely use because yeah. I work with our support staff at Grantwood and right. help them with their technology needs. And one of the things they're always asking me about is like things like Doodle and ways to schedule meetings oh, and yeah, sure. find times. Yeah. Well, they have a template for find a time where it's really? like you, everybody fills it in and then there's checkboxes there all set up for the days and you could mm-hmm. customize that for times and things. Sure. And then you just go into the responses later and you've, it shows you all the charts and things and yeah. which ones have the most popular time. And I think that would be really fun and easy to do. Hmm. Um, they have things like contact forms that you could put on like a Google site or something like that. Hmm. Uh, they have assessments, uh, course evaluations, 
Really? You, know, you and I do courses and yeah. you know, it could be a way just to send out a quick course evaluation form where you uh, can customize that. And it just takes some of the work out of it for you. I mean, there's things you're going to leave in there. There's things you're going to take out, but sure. maybe have a look at those uh, templates in there too. And mm-hmm. maybe even think about submitting your own templates to your, your school domain or oh, your organizational yeah. domain too. Yeah. Um, let's see. I didn't put any of these on here, but I will talk about, well, this one, your next one kind of goes on here, um, goes with templates of sorts as being able to import questions from other forms that you've had, right? Yeah. So I don't know how that looks because I've never done that. What does that look like? So, you know, when you uh, create a new form, yeah. um, there is a little sliding bar that's down the right-hand side that'll let you add a question yeah. or add a video and all that stuff. One of yep. those things is in there that says import questions, and okay. that's the one I always oh. overlook too. Hmm. And it basically just opens a dialogue that lets you uh, select a previous form. Hmm. And then you select the form, and then it will run up on a sidebar all the questions that you can import from that form really? into your form. Huh. Yeah, and you just check all the boxes for the ones that you want to import. So if you did a, a quiz for your kids, and then you sure. want to, I don't know, at the beginning of the year, it was a pretest, and you want to maybe put some of those into a post-test, you could import some of those questions over without having to retype them and things like that on there. And it just throws everything in there, all the choices, all the answers, Everything. Nice. Nice little time saver, huh? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, something else that you can add is a confirmation confirmation message, which I do this a lot. This is one that I often do. Um, and I one of the things that you put in here too that I think is a good idea is including a link to take someone people somewhere else at the end of their form. So the nice thing about thinking that way is that if you have students who are maybe um they're little quiz or formative assessment is at the end of this form, you could have a link to a doc to a playlist or to a video that you want them to watch next or something like that to kind of keep them moving forward without getting um, verbal instructions from you about what the next steps are. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just one of the things I forget about. And I think part of it is because you have to go into the form settings. Right. And then you have to hit a tab called presentation. Yeah. Which I think is weird. Dumb. It's like, what? why am I presenting a form? And yeah. It's more just to do with how the form looks to other people, what I think is what that looks like. But the word they came up with, presentation. And then there's confirmation message. The standard one is your response has been, it's been recorded, recorded. Which is very <laughs> sterile official, and yeah. very, yes, official. But um, we can be more friendly than that. Yeah, we can sure. try and add some more personality in there or say, congrats, now you can move on to chapter two. And yeah, sure. here's a link to go find that module or something. Mm-hmm, right. And then last one I put on there, I guess, was something also. This is just personally me. I also forget about changing the theme Mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. You can now choose your own header images. They have a bunch in here where Mm. you can choose through different themes like illustrations and food and dining and Mm -hmm. kids. But you can also upload your own pictures too. Mm -hmm. You can change the color of the form and you can also change the background color. So if you pick like... I don't know, like orange, then it will also give you like three different shades of orange for your Mm -hmm. background color, depending on what you want. And you even have, well, you have four font choices uh, for each theme that you choose. Is one of them Comic Sans? Uh, one of the, well, it's kind of called, it's called Playful. Mm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Comic Sans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> it might as well be Comic Sans. 
in another life. <laughs> All right. Next round. Four. Let's do it. Round four okay. is Google Keep. Let's see. Um, my favorite thing with Google Keep is the ability to pull a whole Google Keep note into your doc. So over on the right-hand side, there's that little navigation of those little shortcut apps, and Google Keep is one of them. If you click on that Google Keep um, app and open up, it'll open up all of your notes, and you can just pull that whole note right into Google Docs, and it plops down whatever you've got in there right into your doc. I like that a lot. I think that's nice. It's a great way to kind of capture some notes that you might have or an outline that you might have in Google Keep and work into Google Doc for a more extensive use of it. Yeah, and... You can probably correct me if I'm wrong because I only have a vague recollection of this, but there's yeah. teachers that use things like this for like, I don't know, dragging stickers over to say yes. like, well done, good job, or like yep. feedback comments and mm -hmm. things like that that yep. they store inside their Google Keep, isn't there? Yeah. So the one thing I would say about that is that if you're doing feedback, I would imagine that um, if you're going to drag it over, I wonder if it has to be its own note all by itself. I know that a lot of times in feedback, they have it as a checklist and you just copy and paste it over. But I I kind of wonder if you can just, I don't know if you can drag over just a part of a Google Keep note. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is a good spot to have your feedback over on the right-hand side as you're working through um, student work for sure. All right. So I'm not a huge Google Keep user, but I right. know a couple of things about okay. Google Keep. So I would just say I found out, uh, I guess, not too recently, but a little while ago, that if you double-click on a picture mm -hmm. in your Google Keep, okay. you can annotate on top of it. Really? There is a little uh, kind of like pen or marker tool in the top right-hand corner. Okay. If you click that, and then you can start drawing on top of pictures. Really? Which I was interesting. Yeah. Well, so if you just want to remember or highlight or point out something on a specific uh, picture, maybe you save, I don't know, a picture of the website or something and you were putting it on a collaborative keep note to share mm -hmm. with others and, you know, share your ideas for what we should fix or change. You can uh, mm -hmm. underline and draw things around it. So uh, there you go. Just short and sweet, that one. Well, and that kind of reminds me, too, when you said something about a website, um, and I don't know that this is on our list because now I'm not looking at the show notes again, but Google Keep has its own Chrome extension, too, and so it allows you to attach a website to your Google Keep note and then also um, have notes tied to that website, which I think is really nice, so... Um, I might have to add that in the show notes now that I've mentioned it, but the Google Keep, that and the Google Keep app on your phone is super nice too and um, allows you to have all of those notes on the go as well. So I don't know. I don't think either one of those are on our show notes. I'll add those in, but both good ex um, extras to Google Keep too. It's like a bonus tip right there, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, mine's a, I got another one here. Okay. It's kind of a hidden one I'll uh, mention. And that is, it's really easy. I think everybody knows how to use checklists inside mm -hmm. of a Google Meet note. Not a Google Meet note. A Google Keep a Google note Keep. or a Google Meet note? Let's do a Google Keep note. Okay, all right. Um, because Google Meet notes are an unreleased feature right now that we shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> so um, uh, inside of a Google Keep note, you can uh, make a bulleted list as mm -hmm. well as a checklist. Now, to make a bulleted list, you have to do an asterisk and then a space and then you type what you want and really? then you hit enter and it will do bullet points instead oh. of checklists. I didn't know that. So 
Yeah, not everything needs to be a checklist, I don't think, I guess. You could just want to, you know, list things off without checking them off. And if you want to do that, it's a bulleted list. You use an asterisk and then hit a space, and that asterisk will magically turn into a bullet. And as you hit enter after each item, you'll get more bullets on your note. Which the other thing on here that you had on here that I had not um, seen before was the ability to indent checklists for a hierarchy of checklists. I don't think I've ever done that either. Yeah, so if you want to have like a subtask yeah. of a, of something, you can you just like drag the there's like a little handle next to the side of the 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 item and mm-hmm. you drag it to the right and it okay. will indent it. And the kind of nice thing about that is, you know, you might have like I don't know, prepare for my next uh, PD class and sure. then you've got a bunch of things underneath there that you still have to do like you have to um, create some notes and prepare the presentation and send an email and then you can check all those off individually or you can just check the top one and it will check off all the subtasks underneath too now where's the fun in that where's the glory uh, I know I know you get that satisfaction I of do checking I one like thing off at I a guess. time but. yes I do really like that a lot yeah. All right. So last round is kind of the dark horse, right? Round five is YouTube, <laughs> which is technically not a, a Google Workspace app. It's not right. part of that education suite. But right. I guess we feel like everybody's uh, using YouTube sure. probably more than ever right now. Right. So we'd throw a few things in about uh, YouTube. All right. So what's your first one here? Uh, first one there is the YouTube video editor, which mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody knows about so much or is aware that it exists and it is really hidden inside of YouTube. You need to dig deep to find it. But if you're uploading your videos to YouTube and then you're like, oh, I forgot to trim off that bit at the beginning where I started Screencastify and it was going three, two, one and I wasn't ready. And then there's like five seconds of me, you know, adjusting my hair or something right. like that. <laughs> and you wanted to, you know, trim that out. Then inside of YouTube, you can do that. You have to um, sign into the YouTube studio, which mm-hmm. is studio.youtube.com. Mm-hmm. And that will show you where all your videos are. Uh, so you select your videos on the left and then you click on a video and then you click on editor. Mm-hmm. And once you're in there, you get the chance to uh, trim things on your video a little bit. You can split clips and uh, do things like that too. It's very, it's kind of rudimentary. It's kind of a basic editor. But um, if your videos are already in YouTube and you just want to make some quick edits, mm-hmm. then um, it is there. It used to be a lot better, but um, it was like a Flash-based editor, and so they killed it because Flash is now going away, and uh, they had to reinvent it. And I think they're building it back up, and maybe they'll add more features to it. But this nice. is what it looks like right now. Okay. Um, so a couple additional things for YouTube would be, I don't know that I, I'm going to look and see which one I use. What is the, what is what I use an ad blocker too, but it's not the name of what you have here. I just use ad block. What do you have? You've got uBlock origin and ad guard. I use ad block. Okay. But why do you use ad block? Because it's the first one I ever added. I don't know. And oh, okay. I, it's, it yeah. runs fine and I don't have any problems with it. And But does it work for YouTube or is it just blocking ads on my Chrome? Now I'm not sure. Now well, I don't know. Yeah. I know. Well, I just think the idea of using an ad blocker to block ads on YouTube is 
is kind of an interesting thing for teachers to think about because you never know what kind of ads are going to come up there sometimes. And in the last month or so, my goodness, have I seen a lot of political ads on YouTube because that's all I see. When I watch YouTube on my TV, that's, you know, I can't block it because, you know, it's on the TV. But Mm -hmm. um, on a desktop browser, I'm much happier when I'm watching YouTube because I can use the ad blocker. And it does block the ads. And I think when you're in the classroom, you know, it just saves some time. It, you know, stops the kids getting antsy. It keeps you in the flow if you can just click play and mm-hmm. the video plays. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of free ad blockers out there. Yeah. And so an additionally, mentioning safeshare.tv is a great one to um, take that link from your YouTube video and plop into Safeshare. And then it shares it with students without ads as well. Um, I do feel like there were some, so ViewPure is on here too, but I feel like people were having problems with ViewPure, oh, I don't oh, know, yeah. last year sometime. Like something wasn't, it was, I don't know. There were a couple school districts. I know that it was being blocked for whatever reason. It was running and just, I don't know. I mean, I've seen that other places too, not just here. Um, so I don't know what the status is of ViewPure. I think people are using it again, but I know that, there were some um, hiccups with it, but both of those are great tools to um, use with your students. The other thing I would say too, is that you do have the ability to share a video from a special part of that video. So if you go um, to share a video and click that little share button, you can do it from that, from that time in the video. So Mm. sharing it, so that students don't have to thumb through the whole thing or fast forward through it. If you just have a little portion that you want students to watch or a different starting spot than just right at the beginning of the video, there's a little checkbox in there that says share from or start from and the timestamp. So that's another nice little tool. I don't know that you would know was there if someone didn't point it out to you. So a nice way to get people and your kids right to that spot on the video that you want them to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Um, I started using YouTube's dark mode as well, which I think is kind of interesting. If you're signed into your YouTube account and you hit your profile icon in the top right, you can come down to appearance. Mm-hmm. And there you've got a dark theme, light theme, or device theme. So if you oh. are using a Mac or a Windows computer that is... Uh, got a dark mode or light mode it will respect whatever you have on your computer at that time but uh, i think dark dark mode is kind of interesting for youtube because it it blacks out a lot of the you know the background obviously Mm -hmm. it makes it less bright and Mm -hmm. you're almost it's more like a theater mode almost because it just you know tones down everything else on there so i switched to that recently and i think i'm probably going to stick with uh, dark mode and it actually reminds me of when i watch youtube on the tv because it's kind of a dark mode on there too oh sure so yeah um, you can check out dark mode if you want to. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I put on there was just to think about, you know, if you're not making playlists, then I think that's almost uh, YouTube 101. You've got to get into playlists and start saving videos for playlists because without playlists, you'll be one of those people that are like, oh yeah, I watched this video um, on YouTube once. What was it called? And you're mm-hmm. searching for it right. and you're searching for, and you spend all your days searching for this one video you saw when right. if you add these things to playlists, you can always come back and see it. So you watch a mm-hmm. good video, you think, yes, I could use that with my class sometime, add it to a playlist and right. organize those videos so that you can come back and find them when you need them. Absolutely. All right, tech nuggets. 
Let's do 10 nuggets. Okay. So, um, I have found just today, I, I happened to come across this, which I thought, um, as the world feels like it's kind of closing in around us again, um, I found this spot that is all fall virtual field trips, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, because a lot of times, at least kids here in Iowa go to the pumpkin patch with their class yeah, or the apple right. orchard with their yeah, class. That's and exactly what they do. Um, I don't, I don't know that those things are happening. Um, so there is a website that has a bunch of fall virtual field trips, um, hayrack rides, apple picking, pumpkin patch, corn maze, all of the things that especially our kids in Iowa do. And and maybe if those aren't things that your students normally do, depending on where you live, it might be a place to go and experience, you know, a different type of field trip, especially since maybe field trips aren't um, on the top priority right now or happening right now. So lots of just kind of interesting little videos. I would say probably preschool to, I don't know, third grade, maybe. Um, but it could be something to share with your students if they're at home, go on a little field trip together. Um, or even if you're face to face right now, could be a way to experience um, some of those things that maybe won't happen this year. So it's kind of a fun little website. A tinge of sadness to that, Mindy, that, you know, with our virtual classrooms and hybrid classrooms and things, we can't get out and do all the field trips and things we used to do. But uh, yeah, that's a good option on there. It's yeah. always good to have more virtual field trip options. Sure. Okay, my first uh, tech nugget for today is a site that was new to me. I think I saw this in Ed Week, uh, okay. an Ed Week blog post, and it's called quill.org. It is uh, an online platform that is designed to help make students better writers. And it's kind of an interesting one. It's one of those online uh, tools that, you know, you set up a classroom for your kids and you can assign them lessons. Um, But over time, it will adapt to what your students are are doing. Um, It's completely aligned with common core strategies. You can sign up all your kids in one go from Google Classroom if you want. But And then you, once you've got in there, it's all about uh, concepts for helping kids, you know, write better. So um, it's got little mini lessons that will take you through, you know, I did one earlier on conjunctions and joining words. So what were the best joining words and why we use and or but or so or or. <laughs> and uh, yes, I said but. <laughs> and and then, you know, then you get some practice pages for um, here's two sentences, which would be the right word to join these two sentences together. And then you click go and it gives you some feedback and, you know, records all your progress on there. So mm-hmm. I just think it's one of these things that you don't see very often. You right. see a lot of adaptive math type things or, you know, but this is actually about grammar and the mechanics of, of writing on here. And mm. it goes everywhere up from like first grade to high school. You've got like AP activities and um, pre-AP activities. And you can come into the ELA standards on here and select your grade level. They have common core standards for grade one through 12. So you click your grade and then um, it will say, you know, 4.1.a, use relative pronouns. And then it will show you all the activities they have around using pronouns, one on tense, one on, you know, can, may versus should and must and 
prepositional phrases, you name it, it's all on here and you can come in and assign all these things to students. So if you're looking for additional writing practice or things that you could, you know, use in a virtual hybrid distance learning environment, I think this could be an interesting one to do. They have uh, professional learning webinars for teachers, everything from 101 staff through to more specific uh, features on here too. It is, I'm going to say, 90% free. Yeah. As a teacher, you can do all of this. I think what I've talked about here, you know, for free. They do have a premium uh, platform where you can sign up for like a, a district level thing. A school yeah. or district level gives you ad- advanced reporting things for across all your buildings and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's um, supported by like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, AT and T. All these people are helping uh, keep this thing running. Interesting. Quill.org. All right. All right. So um, my last one for today is actually a wakelet within a wakelet within a wakelet within a wakelet of sorts. So uh, Grantwood AA created a wakelet of instructional materials. If you are um, a teacher within Grantwood AA, it's just on our homepage under COVID-19, but I also have it linked here for the show notes and um, it's under instructional materials. And so all of our teams at Grantwood AEA created a wakelet or more than one wakelet about different um, instructional materials or tips and tricks of um, things that might be beneficial to you and to your students during the era of COVID. So um the topics here are from the autism team, um, our digital learning team, literacy team, mathematics, um, movement, science, significant disabilities, uh, social, emotional, and behavior health, social studies, and special education. So lots of different wakelets here with lots and lots of resources that I think because we've put so much time into them. I'm not sure that we're pushing it out or sharing it like we should be. So uh, there might be some great things there that you would find beneficial for you or for your teachers. Yes. Good pick, Mindy. They're all curated by very smart people. So I'm happy to pass those on, give Mm -hmm. those people a shout out. Absolutely. Okay. So my last uh, tip on here is uh, the Screencastify video editor. Okay. Which sounds like it may be a, a strange pick, but, you know, when you do a screencast with Screencastify, at the end, you get the option to click edit this video and it throws you into the video editor. However, what I guess I didn't know until fairly recently was that anybody can use this editor, really? whether you use Screencastify or not. Yeah. Oh. You can just go to edit.screencastify.com, sign in with a Google account. And you can either pull stuff out of your Google Drive or you can upload videos from your computer and you can edit them inside of this uh, free online video editor. So there's a few caveats that go along with it. I mean, it's not completely, you know, full function or anything else. I mean, you can so you can trim video by trimming the beginning and end. Mm -hmm. You can cut video. It's got some interesting features that you can do a crop of a video. So you just drag a rectangle around to crop it into a different, like, I guess, shape or something like that on there. Um, Interesting because it's based off a screencasting tool. It does have a zoom in, zoom out tool. 
so that you get to a certain point in the video you want to zoom in and you can choose how many seconds it takes to zoom in and then how many seconds it takes to zoom out and you can uh, adjust the duration of that thing so how long it zooms in on a specific point in your video Uh, you've got a text tool on here too and uh, the only other thing that you really need to know about this is if you are using it for free you are limited to a five minute export on your video length but Apart from that, I think you can just do as many videos as you want as long as they are no longer than five minutes. If you upgrade and get their package, uh, their premium package, you can edit uh, for longer mm-hmm. and have unlimited features. But uh, all the editing features that you get are the same, whether you pay for it or whether you don't. You just get to pay for longer exports. Nice. So edit.screencastify.com. Well, all righty then. It's a little bit better than that YouTube video editor I talked about. You think so? So, Yeah, I think so. So if you have the chance to get in there and as long as your video is five minutes or less. And in your drive. That's a good one to do. Right. No, it doesn't have to be in your drive. You can can upload from your desktop. Oh, I see. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Well, all right. I think that's the end of another exciting (laughs) episode of the EdTech Takeout. (laughs) All right. Uh, if you have uh, suggestions for guests or future topics, you can email us, podcast at gwaa.org, or find us on Twitter. I am at Jonathan Wiley, and Mindy is at Team Kearney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always looking for good ideas and suggestions, and who knows what the next exciting episode will be. <laughs> who knows? We're all on the edge of our seat. <laughs> it literally could be anything. <laughs> really could be anything. <laughs> So, until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.